let's get, let's let's do it. Let's okay. Get at her. Let's get at her. That's my new thing, by the way. Um, let's let's come up with a new new thing. <laughs> what? That'll be after our let's figure it out segment. We're gonna have a let's get JP a new saying segment. <laughs> a, new, a new a new catchphrase. Yes, yeah, new it's, catchphrase. I got it from this Canadian show called Letterkenny, and it's it's pretty funny. Oh, so it's not even yours. So are we just going to start calling you like Jerry because you, you're stealing other people's stuff and passing oh, it off as okay, your own? Okay, that's not cool. That's not, <laughs> that's, that's not, that's low, bro. Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right. Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here as always with, uh, by day, a mild-mannered priest, but by night he is the Velocipastor. <laughs> the man of the claw. Can't okay. see anything all of a sudden. And I'm also here with um I don't really have a like a dinosaur for Matt. Uh, Matt, is there like a no, story, story of my life? Matt gets left out. Nobody, uh, nobody knows. It's a, I guess it's I could a, call it Diclophosaurus, right? No, not a dinosaur. You call him a Matt to Don. Matt Matt to Don. Did you just call me a Diclophosaurus? Diclophosaurus? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're. What you meaning? Like a Dilophosaurus and a Deacon? Because I mean, I, I know you're not a Deacon anymore, but like, it, it's the closest thing. But Matt Madadon is dep- a, oh, I a, de- a Depuploticus because he was the deputy. <laughs> you see, I deputy. thought you. I thought that you said decloth. I gave you more credit. I oh. thought you're being more clever because I oh, was unable geez. to actually become a pastor. So you were mocking me by saying decloth. Matt spilling that tea. <laughs> no, well, we're, we're we're here, and we've got our dinosaur <laughs> names. Apparently, actually, you uh-huh. don't have one. Uh, JP is is Jurassic Park, so I don't. Okay, it's all fine. right, it's fine. fine. <laughs> uh, if you if you if you have a dinosaur name for JP, leave it in the comments. Um, maybe a a, a mod mod mod. I don't know dinosaurs apparently this morning. Sorry, I don't. I can't. I can't uh, improv. <laughs> um, so, uh, guys, guys, guys. Uh, um, it's been one week since we. Sorry, it's been ten years since this whole Marvel thing started. Were you starting that song? It's. Been I was totally. Week. It's been um, one week nice, since. Nice, yeah. nice. You should have went with it. You you questioned yourself and you stopped. I was into it and I wasn't even sure that's what you were doing. <laughs> Is that a preview for music mayhem? Um, it's been ten years since the whole Marvel thing started, and I want to ask you guys like, how do you feel about superhero films now compared to how you felt when they first when 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 Marvel the Marvel machine first started? Like, are, are, how, how do you, how, how do you, how, has this, has this ride affected your views at all on, on like superheroes or movies or, I mean, what, what's, what's the ride been like? I, I, um, <clears throat> well, it's, it's definitely brought me into reading comics again. Cause I wasn't reading comics when Iron Man came out in 2008. Um, and so I, um, I shortly after that, I got interested in actually reading comic books again, but I read, I read DC. I don't read Marvel comics. Um, I, um, 
not and not because like I have a problem with Marvel comics or anything like that. It's just that's just my that's just DC's my jam. That's just kind of where I've gone. But um, I what I'm I don't know for like in terms of superhero cinema, like like movies, like I, I, I you know, I, I watch them, obviously, and I'm kind of amazed to see how faithful to the comics they've become after us going through, you know, taking for granted the idea that we somehow had to make them something something else in order for them to be viewable, right? Like, like, oh, well, this is how it would really be, you know, like, I mean, just for instance, the that um, famous Superman movie that we were going to get in the in the 90s, where like Superman would wear a black costume. And when he flew, it created like a red and blue blur as like to sort of suggest, you know, his traditional colors. And, um, you know, this all of that kind of that kind of thing, you know, the, the X-Men movie, you know, they're not in yellow spandex, you know, and stuff. They're in, you know, black leather. So there's that that that, that attitude of, you know, what we called grounded, um, oh. you know, and oh. which which the... Wait, I- Wait, I never heard of this Superman movie. How does a black costume create a red and blue blur? That was like the thing is like when he flew, somehow he would have a red and blue blur. That was the idea. This is the Nick Cage Superman, right? No, because he was wearing red and blue in the photos that were... Well, in the the, uh, developmental stages, John Peter was making all these weird suggestions, like stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. This wasn't a movie that was ever made. This was like the oh, this was oh, the kind oh, of stuff I, they were. I, I know, I know, it was never made, but okay. How does a black costume create a red and blue blur? Uh, ask John Peters, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just how really does, glad that movie wasn't made. It, how does it? How's it? How does a Lutheran pastor turn into a velociraptor? It's it just sounds, silly things. Don't bring it up again. <laughs> so, so, so the fact that we've now got these superhero movies that are like you know that are really comic booky. I mean, like, real, like, like, I mean, I, Shazam, which we haven't talked about on this show, Shazam is ridiculously comic booky, um, and leaning really, you know, embracing the silliness that's that's a part of it, which to me was a lot of fun. Um, so that's a thing that I've been kind of that that this this past ten years has really um, that I really appreciate is seeing that kind of thing, just embracing the fun and ridiculousness in the comic book stories. Um, And of course, the fact that they've basically made 10 years worth of movies that are in service of a really big storyline, that the idea that Endgame actually brings closure to 10 years worth of movies is a pretty impressive thing and something that uh, that I really like because you know, one of the things about comic books that is a fair criticism is that they never end and that they're kind of trying to give a narrative closure to this is, is a cool thing. And I'm, and I'm excited about that. And so I think to see how they've worked to make that happen these past 10 years has been a pretty impressive thing to watch and something that like in terms of, in terms of cinematic storytelling is completely unprecedented and awesome. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot about how sort of Marvel's kind of, you talk about sort of the fun and sort of uh, comic booky aspects of how we sort of embrace that and how Marvel has embraced that. And I feel like it's sort of, 
affected how I've enjoyed movies in general. Like, um, I'll get into it later when I when I get into my piece, but uh, that's that's certainly affected me in a way. Uh, but I want to know what what Matt thinks and what what the ride has been like for him for these past ten years as someone who's been watching all these movies. Hmm. Now that we've arrived at this point, this point I, of closure. I have loved the the ride to where we're at now, mm-hmm. and I have been super like beyond excited for every movie that was coming out to the point where we're at now. And I oddly am wondering if the point where we're at now is perfectly timed as I'm kind of finding that I'm not getting as excited as I used to about these movies. (laughs) See our Captain Marvel review for more. (laughs) Yeah. See Captain Marvel. And I, um, I, I forgot we didn't talk about this on the podcast. JP because I've ranted and raved about some of this stuff so much that I forgot it wasn't actually ever recorded. Okay. Um, but I, the other night was drugged to an awful, awful, awful movie. It was one of the worst I've ever seen. Um, dare I say it rivals that trailer we just watched. Um, and that was Hellboy. Oh, um, what was it again? You kind of cut out. Hellboy. Oh, the, the reboot. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to see it. Somebody else wanted to go see it. And I was like, fine, I'll go with you. And it was the worst movie I've ever seen. I say all that to say after it was done, I was like, I can't go home after that. Like, no, that, that can't be my night. So we decided to walk into Shazam that was just starting. Okay. And I loved it. I cracked up laughing through the whole thing. It was so much fun. I enjoyed it. Um, probably more so than the people I drug in to watch it, but I loved that movie. And as people know, my relationship with the other comic universe movies that are out there, um, we have a rocky, rocky relationship. We're we're not really friends. Um, we're like. I just want to point out the shirt. Friend of me. We're like, like, we're we're like, um, we're like frenemies. I have to go see them, and I like can't wait to see them, and then I will fight with them when I get there. Um, The exception being Wonder Woman, but this movie was great. I enjoyed it, beginning to end. Thought it was was a fun ride, and it has kind of a weird throwback feel to it, to like the. Batman and Robins, the Batman and Batman Forevers, like the, the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, right? Like, don't get me wrong, not quite that level of cheesy because those movies are so cheesy and not on purpose. Like, they just it's just not. But it kind of has that throwback feel to like the old superhero movies where it was just a fun movie to sit down and watch from beginning to end. There wasn't yeah. really like there wasn't really like depth and darkness. It was just fun. Um, and I kind of wonder if we're reaching a point where those are the movies that are going to kind of have a comeback. If superhero movies are going to continue, they're kind of kind of go back to just the fun experience. Because I feel like I don't know. I feel like we're running out of these. Uh, the more yeah. they try and impress me with the other ones, the more I feel like what's happening. Yeah, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I mean, I think when 
you know, when they, when the, you know, the idea of them trying to make like sort of big introspective statements about society or whatever, which is, uh, you know, unfortunately what the DC movies have tried to do for the, for the most part, and it was they, great. you know, but even with the Marvel movies, it's, it's kind of how many times can we have a story about, you know, somebody having power, some kind of power or responsibility and that really being like heavy on them and it affecting them, you know, and their happiness or whatever. I mean, I know they're all kind of the same story um, told in different ways, but it's, um, um, I, but you know, Shazam, Shazam was fun because it allows you to sort of see that from the eyes of a kid. Um, it's like, and also had just great like, gags. Matt, I just real quick, without ruining it for JP, I wish I had seen the movie with you because I, I can only imagine how you reacted to the villain monologue during the climax of the movie and how that played out. I, <laughs> you, we should have saw it together, Chuck. But, we totally it wasn't planned together. It, but it wasn't a plan for me to see it. Like I said, I wanted to go see it, and somebody else is like, no, we're going to go see Hellboy. And I was like, fine. Um, and they were so disappointed in their movie choice that we went to see the other one. But, um, but yeah, no, this movie, it's, it's, it was just so much fun. I had a blast, and it was like, like I said, I had this weird throwback, made me feel like a little kid again watching this movie. It, it, in the end, reminds me so much of Power Rangers meets, like, Superman. It just, it was so much fun. I don't, I don't you, you, gotta, you gotta go see it. You think Marvel has something to do with maybe WDB taking that route with Shazam? Oh, totally. I think what? Do you think Marvel had anything to do with DC wanting to take that route, which is Come on, JP. <laughs> DC is doing nothing now but going, crap, we messed up, guys, and trying to catch up for what Marvel had done. Um, but, but this movie, Shazam, was much more fun than Captain Marvel. So, like, DC might be accidentally stumbling into just making fun movies that are starting to outweigh these like deep, deep storylines well, that you're trying to, to be like well, profound. You, well, you think about like what Marvel, Marvel turned a corner big time with Guardians of the Galaxy, oh, yeah. which was when they took like the, like their weirdest characters and decided to just like make a movie that was funny because these characters are weird. And so, you know, like when we think of, when we think of, when we think of Guardians of the Galaxy, we think of those movies as funny movies. And you realize like everything since then, Marvel has really done more of incorporating that kind of humor into their movies because we've got, we got the Ant-Man films after that, which are also funny. Homecoming is very funny, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, Ragnarok. Ragnarok is totally like a Guardians movie um, in that it's in, with, with the cosmic stuff that's weird and just, and just funny. And still probably my favorite movie. And I think that that oh totally, but and and that's and that kind of reflected back I think on the with with DC because you know they were making these big serious you know Zack Snyder wanted to go this really insane route of just you know these movies being massive mythological kinds of things which you know that's an approach sure and it I think it would have been I would be interested to see what Zack Snyder could have made without a bunch of studio notes coming down to him and telling him what he was supposed to do. Cause it, th those movies are clearly a lot of producer meddling going on. I'd love to sort of see Snyder's take on it. Would it have been true to the characters? Probably not, but it might've been a, you know, it, it could have been a lot more fun. Um, or Chuck, are, you are you suggesting they release the Snyder cut? 
I do think I would, I actually would like to see the Snyder cut of <laughs> justice league. Um, just out of morbid curiosity, I'm not under any kind of belief that it's like better. There actually is one though, right? Like that, isn't that the whole, like the meme that's like, Lisa Snyder cut. Oh, there actually isn't really a Snyder cut. Zack Snyder has said that there is one. Really? Oh, okay. He said there is a, there is a Snyder cut that he could put together if he were allowed to, mm-hmm. to do it. Um, but, um, um, but no, I think, but I think then, you know, once, once guardians came out, we realized we could have, we could acknowledge this. And similar thing with like, with DC is wonder woman is just a good movie. Um, but then with Aquaman and Captain Marvel, they were just realized like, let's just make these movies with some of our most ridiculous characters and just lean into the ridiculousness. And you can tell they tried to do that with suicide squad in post. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it just I know we spent more time talking about DC than we've talked about Marvel. So yeah, far. Well, I mean, it is, but it, I think yeah. that 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 effect that, that Marvel had on this film genre is obvious, and that when yeah. anyone tries to do something different than it, it doesn't work. There, there is something telling about the fact that we just talked more about DC than Marvel. <laughs> That's what I'm. Is <laughs> there's something telling there? Um, because when would I have ever let you talk that much about DC over Marvel? I would have interrupted you, and I would have steered us back toward the wonderful Marvel movies. Um, I having a hard time doing it. I think but don't get me wrong. I could, not, I could not be more excited for the movie tonight. Don't get me wrong on that. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Are, we, are we experiencing fatigue? I wouldn't. I mean, Matt, you can go ahead and answer. I think that was directed to you. I... Uh, I don't think fatigue is the right word for it because it's not that I'm getting tired of seeing the superhero movies and the like over the top effects and action. Um, but maybe a, a level of fatigue with maybe the formula is finally starting to reach its end and it's time to, to mix it a little bit um, because every movie's just starting to feel like the same movie. So it's not like fatigue with the genre or the concept. It's more like, all right, it's time to kind of put a new, a new spice into the mix, or it's just reaching a. I mean, even amazing isn't amazing anymore if it's just the same thing over and over and over and over. Yeah, right. I, I, I kind of got the feeling. We're, we're, when, when I watched Captain Marvel, I kind of got the feeling that they were starting to really dig their heels into like letting the formula do the heavy lifting as opposed to, you know, like what James Gunn does with uh, Guardians, just like find ways to really endear characters to us. Um, but uh, I don't, for me, I don't know if it's really fatigue. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I'll get to that. But I do want to point one thing out that I think is really interesting when you talk about how Guardians of the Galaxy is sort of a turning point. When you consider the Marvel movies that are coming out before Guardians of the Galaxy, at least in that year alone, was Iron Man 3, Thor the Dark World, and Captain America the Winter Soldier. They were like almost getting more serious. Mm-hmm. Especially Winter Soldier is probably the most serious Marvel movie out of all of them. At least since we watch Endgame. I have a feeling Endgame is going to be pretty serious. Um, but like, you know, Thor the Dark World is pretty dark. But Winter Soldier was probably the most, you could probably say introspective, the most gritty. Um, most kind of real worldish. I, 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 I kind of feel like Winter Soldier is Marvel's DC movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, Winter Soldier 
Winter Soldier starts covers some ground that's fairly similar to like the ground that's covered in things like, well, definitely the Dark Knight um, with the whole espionage, you know, police state thing, um, distrust of the government. We see that with like hints of that in Man of Steel, but definitely also in Batman vs Superman. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I mean, it is that, I mean, and, and it, it makes me think of something that is also interesting to talk about. And it's something that I love about Star Trek, um, is that Star Trek uses its, you know, it has its aesthetic, it has its universe and everything. And it uses that to tell different kinds of stories. Like you have, like just last night, I watched Next Generation's episode Suspicions, which is a murder mystery. Um, you know, you have political intrigue, you have, you know, those kinds of things as well as sort of villain of the week sort of storylines. And that's something that Marvel, I think, did really well, has done really well is because Winter Soldier made me think of it is that it's hard to call Winter Soldier a straight up superhero movie because it's very much a political, a political thriller. And it to me seems very much in the vein of something like a born identity. Yeah. Um, so. it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a spy thriller more than it is what we think of as a superhero film. Yeah. And, and I kind of felt like that was sort of the direction Marvel was going to start to take, which is like mashing genres with superheroes. I kind of mm -hmm. feel like they didn't quite commit to that, but they did kind of did. Like, I think Ant-Man, you know, Ant-Man is supposed to be like a heist movie. Right. Um, but then I think also Guardian, the success of Guardians and how much uh, and how much people react to that also sort of affected like, oh, no, we could still kind of do fun and fancy free kind of stuff. And Well, and Guardians is such a I mean, in terms of just as a science fiction yeah. franchise is pretty awesome um, and has really like inspired, I think, like the like my like 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 science fiction imagination for the pop, you know, I mean, the way that it expands a universe and shows alien cultures and stuff to me is on par with the first star Wars movie with a new hope, the way that it impacted audiences. Like, I think it just has that kind of impact for like a child watching it, thinking of like what's out there in space and what kind of, what kind of things could be going on. I think it's just very, it's a very expansive film. Um, you know, it looks like, you know, Ragnarok also in that same vein. I mean, they, they look like, you know, Mebus, you know, French science fiction comics and stuff. Like, it's oh, like, awesome. like Jack Kirby's artwork. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, for me, I, I think it's been really interesting, right? I, and, and, you know, I think, I think where I am now is pretty different from where I was when it, when it started and even kind of throughout, I kind of feel like I've had sort of a rocky relationship because during that time between like Iron Man three and winter soldier, I was kind of falling away from it a little bit and Winter Soldiers just kind of like really grabbed me. And then Guardians of the Galaxy like just knocked it out of the park and like now I'm saying, nah, I'm way into this. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what's interesting about Marvel is how, how, how it has affected the way I look at, at movies and how I experience movies as a whole now. And I think it's, before Marvel kind of came around, you know, it definitely was like, I I thought like in order to be a, a to to take cinema seriously, you should only love the serious cinema. You know, like um, th that's why I think like the Dark Knight was such a godsend for me when it came out. Like, not only was it a superhero movie, but it was serious cinema. So, like, I can enjoy this, and my heart's content. And also, it was a great movie. 
Um, but like Marvel kind of taught me to lighten up a little bit. You know, like I could still, like I still love movies like, you know, First Reformed, very dark, very introspective, very small film, uh, very artistic film. But I can also, I can also, I can let my hair down, you know, and I can love uh, uh, Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, which I'm super stoked for. <laughs> I love those Fast and the Furious movies. And, but but I, I think it's because of Marvel that I, that I, was, I was able to kind of come around and, and sort of enjoy movies like that. And, and I had always enjoyed a certain degree of like, you know, kind of irreverent movies and stuff because of like Shaun of the Dead and things like that and Edgar Wright. But I think Marvel just kind of helped me to kind of like, you know, I can, I can like both. I can like the serious films and I can also, I can find something of value in a Marvel movie. Well, and I think, you know, in, I think Infinity War is a good, is, is a good example of this, the sort of thing you're talking about, JP, is that, you know, there's this weird bias in Hollywood well, and just are in the in the film world that like for it to be serious art, it has like you said, it has to be serious, which yeah. means it has to be dark, it has to be dramatic. You know, comedies never win Best Picture. You know, they're <laughs> rarely ever like nominated. You know, it's never seen as like real filmmaking to do things that are lighthearted and stuff like that. You know, I mean, just look at how people were freaking out over the idea of Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture and and those sorts of things. Well, they were um, going to put it in its own category. <laughs> yeah, I remember that Best Popular Picture. <laughs> um. But you, but then you have like Infinity War, which you know is all the spectacle of a Marvel movie. But the themes and stuff that it deals with are very heavy, and the idea—I mean, the movie ends with half the universe being obliterated, and that that sense of of loss and that sense of failure, um, you know. And that came out the same, you know, it came out you know around the same time that we got the Last Jedi, which also talks about failure. And so we have these big movies that are dealing with these very, you know, now truly, you know, you know, thematic elements that you would you would typically expect to see only in these smaller, you know, indie typical, you know, artsy serious quotes, you know, quote unquote yeah. movies that, you know, they're sticking that stuff in to these major tentpole blockbuster releases, which I feel like, you know, that's, I'm kind of amazed that we haven't had that before because you know, if you want to, if you want to use cinema as a way to impact the way people think and to challenge people's conventions of the world, then you've got to stick that kind of stuff in the movies that people are seeing. And, you know, so now like, you know, here we are able to talk about, you know, loss and talk about failure because we, on a level that we hadn't before, because, you know, like you think about like in college, you know, we would say like, oh, you really need to see this, you know, like maybe we would talk about like eternal sun sunshine of the spotless mind is a way to talk about regret, yeah. you know, but now we can talk about regret in, in, in terms of, in terms of the last Jedi and the way Luke Skywalker is depicted in that movie, because this broader audience has now seen a movie that deals with these emotions in a very serious way. And it's not just, um, you know, it's not just, you know, big flashy explosions and special effects on a screen. Like there's this real deep thematic stuff going on. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I think it's more of like, um, has to do with like the times that we're in mm -hmm. because we, because you can go back a little bit earlier before Marvel, before Iron Man, and you can compare like independence day with Spielberg's war of the worlds and like how vastly different those two are. Right. Um, so that's, I think that's interesting. 
you know, I think this, this decade is sort of, or these past two decades, I should say by now, are sort of like blockbusters trying to get smarter, you know? Yeah, and, and there and and, and there's right. less of that that kind of siloing this idea of like, well, this is what a blockbuster is supposed to be, and this is what a film is supposed to be, and you know, this sense that oh, if we add too many jokes into this movie, it's not it's going to be a comedy, and no one will take it seriously. Well, you know, like the Marvel movies really blur those lines in ways that are pretty like you know, when I think of the Marvel movies, I think of them being as funny. And I think of I think of them as being heartwarming, and I think of them as you know including a, a whole range of things. So they're so they're not, you know, they're not just one type of genre. They kind of they mix all of that, and it's, so it's a really a beautiful thing that we get to live in a world that's like that. Yeah. Um, so let me get to uh, another question for you guys. So far, what have been your your top tier most favorite Marvel films? I'm gonna start with Matt, unless he can't think of any. Let me start with Chuck, unless he can't think of any. Let me start with, I don't know. Who wants to go first is what I'm trying to say. The top tier, so our favorite of all the movies. Yeah, what are your what are your personal favorites? And tell me why they're your favorites. Iron Man 1. Okay. Because it changed my life and made me want to be Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> because it replaced House the TV show, you know, it replaced House as my all-time hero of who I want to be. If I can be anybody, I want to be this guy. It replaced him with Tony Stark. Yeah, can we just um, can we just sit with that for a second? Like the the moment we were all introduced to Tony Stark, played by Robert mm -hmm. Downey Jr., changed like everything. <laughs> it gave yeah. us a new a new man to look up to. <laughs> yeah, it um yeah, no, it's still still my favorite because there's no changing the the no, no denying the way it changed my life forever, and and yeah, and what it did to his career. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say Iron Man for that reason. Um, Ant Man because I love Paul Rudd's introduction into the Marvel universe was incredible just yeah. such a at the time such a different feel for a character like when he popped onto the screen even from some of the more comedic ones that we had already been introduced to at that point just his his portrayal of a, of a superhero i loved it just that kind of you know he's got that played down type of humor where he's just more dumbfounded than anything else <laughs> a bit more I, drier than compared yeah, to the other yeah 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 i love it um Ragnarok, because I mean, come on, it's Ragnarok. Like I, two characters that if you had asked me before all these things started, like what do you think about Hulk and Thor? I'd be like, I don't think about Hulk and Thor. Like, don't really care for them. Don't really want to see it. Don't, don't nope. Don't want to do it. Um, no, I love it. And Ragnarok is incredible. And Mark Ruffalo, whoever thought he'd become one of my all-time favorite actors, like I just. Oh, yeah, he's Excellent. Just, just, just the whole thing, the whole thing. Like when they said he's going to be Hulk. Do you remember the day they said he's going to be Hulk, and we're all like, "Huh?" Like yeah, they because they were your head like, "What?" <laughs> they were they were trying to get Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, I'm glad. He was that like there because they they had fired Ed, they had fired Ed Norton because he's like controlling and, and wants everything his way, and Marvel doesn't play that way. Um, and uh, so they got, they were trying to look for something. I remember Joaquin Phoenix was was floated. I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, that would be incredible. 
Um, but then there's like, no, Mark Ruffalo. I'm like, okay, I'm not that familiar with Mark Ruffalo. I saw him in Eternal Sunshine as well as mine. That's it. But uh, whatever. I trust you. Joss Whedon is directing. That's all I care cared about. Yeah. And other than that, I'm having a hard time thinking of the 94 other movies to say. <laughs> Guardians is up there too, but it, that's just, I mean, it's just kind of a given at this point. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's why even say it. We all. Oh, that's that one's incredible and i mean the soundtrack changed everything alone um when the trailer came out and it's and it's in that uga chaka uga chaka started and we all were sold we were all in love instantly and then a raccoon firing a machine gun we're like we're in we're there um and then it did not disappoint so i mean guardians goes without saying that's just I mean, just move on move on it's fine yeah and then i'll be um, interested to see where this one falls Cool. Um, do you have like a favorite character from all those movies? Like, who's who's like the one character you've latched onto? It's one? still it's still Iron Man. It's still okay. Stark. Um, I still love Stark, and not just because of the original reasons, the the sarcastic sense of humor and all that nonsense. I still love his journey through the movies too. Um, is dealing with anxiety and depression and guilt, like his his character, and they all deal with them on levels but his character if you go back and watch his storyline um deals with it on some pretty extreme levels like what other superhero do you watch have a panic attack yeah in the middle of a fight um to collapse behind a car and have a panic attack in the midst of a fight is something how i, I don't think i've ever seen in a superhero movie you see him get like scared but a full-on like i can't breathe panic attack um it was a deep thing to, to have him deal with and to use that character, even to, the one that's kind of just the sense of humor, the wit, and then to use him to be the, the voice of depression and anxiety was, it was interesting. And I like it. I like it. Yeah. Iron Man three really affected me. Like that movie just felt, that movie just felt like just had a f different feel to it for me when I was watching. Cause I was kind of, going through anxiety and stuff. And that, Seeing and that, it portrayed, it just felt, I felt like a weird kind of kinship with, with, with the character. Yeah. And like the whole movie just took on, it's like, it just, just it, it didn't feel like a fun adventure. I was just like, wow, I have like a deep connection yeah. right now. With this movie. Yeah, and I feel, I feel like that's where the Marvel movies have been lacking for me personally recently is um, they all have, they used to have, each movie used to have a little bit of a different feel to it. Yeah. Um, there was something about the movie that changed the tone, that shifted it a bit. Um, and now that it just seems like they're all the same movie. It's yeah. all just one really long movie instead of a bunch of movies. So I kind of miss that little bit of like Iron Man 3. If you go back and watch it, yeah, now, yeah, it fits right into the whole Marvel movie formula, but it has these moments where it changes tone and deals with the anxiety. It has these, the, the kind of a different feel to the movie itself. You go back and watch Ant-Man, it's got the sense of humor that slows things down and kind of backs off the bigger story points for a bit to kind of dwell with the characters. And now we're just kind of getting into, all right, we got this ball rolling, just roll forward and get to the, the big climactic movie that we're all waiting for. Um, so maybe this, I mean, they they know what they've known what they're doing. They haven't failed me yet. So maybe that was their whole point. And that's why this is kind of the end of it. And then they'll jumpstart something new. 
not new. It'll still have the Marvel formula, but a new feel to it. Um, and that'll bring it right back. So maybe by the time this movie, I'm sure I'll love this movie. I, I, I just don't see it possible that I won't. But maybe the one after this will be the one where I'm like, this is now my favorite movie. It's the best Marvel one ever. And I can't wait to see the next 30 films based off of it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Cool. Chuck, what about you? What are your, uh, some of your favorite Marvel movies? I'm going to say, let's see, in, in no particular order, um, the first Avengers. Okay. Um, I, I, um, just the, the fact that they pulled it off. I mean, there were, there was, I, I, when I saw it in theaters, I remember having this moment where like, I was on board, right? Like I was, you know, Cap and Loki are fighting and there's, and then suddenly you hear, you know, um, the radio cuts out on, um, on, um, Black Widow and says, did you miss me, Agent Romanoff? And suddenly ACDC shoot the thrill starts playing everywhere. And here comes, here comes Tony Stark. And I was just so sold. Like, and then, and then later after they capture Loki, they're in the Quinjet and there's lightning and thunder. And it's like, oh, that's right. Thor is going to be in this too. Like just the fact that like each character had this introduction and it just started swelling and swelling, getting bigger and bigger. And then they managed to pull it off with all of these characters. It was just, it was just such an exciting time in the movies. And then of course they made Hulk awesome. In that movie, I mean, we—I think we all forget just what, what a what an impact the puny god moment had <laughs> on us. Yeah. Um. And and or Hulk smash, like, you know, they took this character they had tried twice to make work and it just hadn't really worked in the movie, but put him in an ensemble Wait, you, film. Wait, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me Ang Lee's Hulk doesn't work? <laughs> I actually do have a soft spot in my heart for that movie, but yet yeah, no. Um, it's, it's, such a, it's such a weird movie. I, I love it for that. But it's such a weird movie. But you're right. This is when Hulk. This is when Hulk became a star. Yeah. Yeah. And um. And so, like, just the first Avenger. I mean, and then um. I mean, watching, watching him. I mean, just punch that space whale. Just the sheer spectacle of that is just incredible. I mean, God. And then I can just keep going on moments in that movie that I love. But I just I love the first Avengers movie because it it pulled all this stuff together. Um. I, I I have I really love Infinity War. I think it's up there as the best of uh, the best of the Marvel films, um, just because of taking ten years of characters and putting them into this situation where we care about the stakes, we care about what's happening, and, the, and just what they've managed to accomplish. And again, it's 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 taking what they did with Avengers to this whole level where you know we're now we're seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy interacting with all these characters, just pulling all these threads together. I mean, and having like thirty people, and each of them kind of getting a moment and a theme that works, right? Um, like I just I, I you know it's just that that's an amazing thing. Um, I let's see. Um, um, Guardians goes without saying. We've already took, we already covered that. Black Panther. Yeah. Um, I loved Black Panther, and I loved it for the bold, the bold directions that it took as a movie. I mean, to have one of the first movies to have a villain where you're kind of thinking they might have a point. Yeah. Is People a pretty remarkable thing, Thanos, but it's like when you kind of read into it, like not, not really, man. Come on, but like Killmonger, yeah. you kind of be like, Ooh, he's kind of right about some things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and just I mean, just some of the the levels of the levels of the level the levels they took um, in terms. I mean, to, to make a movie like that that deals with with 
race relations and the West's relationship with Africa and the way the West has corrupted Africans is just an, just a, a bold thing for Ryan Coogler to do. And, um, and also just for the cultural moment that movie was, um, I mean, you and I saw that in theaters, right, JP? Yeah. We went and saw that together. I just remember like, it was like, it, was, it had been in theaters like three or four weeks by that point. And it was still, you know, people showing up dressed up to go see the movie. I mean, just, oh God, just so what that movie represented. And again, you know, the, just the the world building and universe building is is awesome. And the fact that they managed to make that movie one that stood on its own that it could be siloed within all these movies. It's not necessarily that dependent on the other Marvel movies was kind of a cool thing. Um, I also want to give special love to, um, to Spider-Man homecoming. Okay. um, Which I, I I will say is the best Spider-Man movie. Um, I know that's a bit of a hot take for some people, but I think it's better than all of Raimi's Spider-Man movies. But, but you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse yet. I think that should be a disclaimer. Like, right? Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> fair. That's fair. Um, but I um um in terms of live action Spider-Man movies. Okay, anyway, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um and um um I also just want to acknowledge that I'm 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 in a minority, I guess, that really, really likes Iron Man 2. <laughs> Is it because I'm in it, Chuck? Because that's, it's, that's it's solely strange. because you're in it. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's it has everything. It has everything to do with Sam Rockwell. Oh, okay, um, yeah. And uh, I, I love Justin Hammer, and I want more of him in the Marvel universe. I don't like that they haven't that they they've not done more with with uh, Justin Hammer. Um, but I um, I really really enjoy Iron Man too. Is you know I, I and honestly I, I I don't understand the criticisms that people levy at that movie. I feel like it it's I I well I understand the criticisms. Uh, Iron Man's my favorite. <laughs> but anyway, I like that movie. So those are those are my Marvel films. Do you have a character that you that you sort of particularly latched onto throughout this whole project? Probably Scott Lang. Oh, yeah. Um, I, Peter Quill also, I think I have, I, I, I've, I, I gravitate to Peter. Um, and, um, I also have a lot of, I, I, I've, I've grown a lot of interest in T'Challa. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see more of, I want to see more of Wakanda and, 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 and what, and what they can do there. But yeah. I think T'Challa was, really interesting in uh captain america civil war like his whole arc was i thought was really interesting in that movie. yeah yeah how just sort of enraged he was and wanting revenge and then kind of watching the avengers deal with it he just he just like was really privy to what's going on i was like i'm gonna be like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was really interesting you know um, you know i forgot i forgot see there's so many movies i forgot probably my favorite one of all of them and I forgot it is probably Civil War. Yeah. Um, and I totally just didn't even think about the movie, but that was, it's kind of like, it, it's probably my favorite quote unquote Avengers movie too, even though it's not an Avengers movie, it's a Captain America movie, but it's, it's an totally Avengers like, movie. It's totally Avengers 2.5, um, yeah. Yeah, and, but it was the first appearance of the new Spider-Man. Um, as, and, as well as... 
and Black Panther, Black right? Panther. Um, and it was Ant-Man's introduction to the rest of the superhero team with his, um, his thanks for thinking of me or, or <laughs> when he meets Captain America and he can't even talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that one. And that's probably my favorite. Plus the emotional weight at the time of watching, um, we, we had that joke. It was like watching mommy and daddy fight. Like all of our best friends are fighting each other and I don't like it. Like this needs to stop. Yeah. I mean, um, I, the, the, the big airport fight it kind of, to me, it was just like, they, they were just kind of like kind of pulling their punches. Right. Cause even the, even I think black widow says like, you're not even yeah. really trying. Yeah. Um, tells them to stop pulling punches. It, until, you know, Rhodey becomes paralyzed. Um, but, but, but then, you know, the big moment between like Captain America, Iron Man and winter soldier was like, Oh man, yeah, it hurt. <laughs> yeah, it was it was everything that Batman v Superman wishes it could have been. So, um, sorry, carry on, JP. Yours? Um, my 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 favorite my favorite Marvel movie to this day is still Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and um, I'm still kind of surprised at how much of a minority I am in that in that camp. How much I love that movie. A lot of people I kind of roll with online, they don't, they don't like the movie at all. Um, but that movie, it's just the emotional undercurrent with all the characters and how like on the surface it really is like a space opera, but underneath it all, it's like, it's just people dealing with their own baggage and how it sort of translates to the sci-fi action that's happening on screen. You know, this the stuff between Yondu and and Rocket, where you have this like blue this blue alien with a red mohawk talking to this talking raccoon telling him like you push people away, even your closest friends. And I know you do that because I do it too. And like having that being sort of like an emotional climax, like it was sort of a like an arc in this in this space fantasy. <laughs> um and how like most of the movie Peter is just kind of spending time with his dad and trying to get to know him and trying to connect with him and figuring out like who he is and, and, and just like, this just the character of ego, like probably my favorite villain out of the entire MCU because he's just, there's just so much meaning in his character like and it's it's you could say it's a lot on the nose because his character's name ego you know it's peter quill dealing with ego which is like his biggest enemy um which is what you know got everybody in trouble in infinity war <laughs> in the first place you know still dealing with that ego um and yes yeah, so, so yeah i don't know guardians of the galaxy volume two i just don't think they're i think that that movie has the most emotional depth out of all of all out of all of them and it's handled with like so many characters you know we've we've talked about all these like there's just been at least uh it was like four or five avengers movies like that are big crossover events gardens of the galaxy both movies are basically you know team up movies like the avengers were and yet they're able to kind of pull off things that they weren't able to like i, I still think there's more emotional depth in the, in, in, in the guardians movies both of them than in any of the Avengers groups. And that, that's just my opinion. Um, so Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 is, is my favorite. Um, 
And then I think after that, you know, definitely the, the other Guardians of the Galaxy, mostly for this kind of the same reason. Um, and then Thor Ragnarok, because I thought it had some really bold things to say about like colonialism hmm. um, and, and how they were able to come to terms with like what um, Asgard was. And like how it got founded and why it was okay to let it go. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll let Hela have what she wants, which is she can have Asgard, but we're also going to destroy it because <laughs> the whole idea of like Asgard is, a, is, is not a place. It's a people. Like I thought that was really interesting. Right. The fact that it, that it comes with, it, it, it's coming from somebody, Taika Waititi, who's a great comedic actor, a great comedic director, but who's, but uh, you know, he has a, a Maori background. So like he knows the thing or two about colonialism, how it's affected you know him and his people and his family, and so like it's it, it's really interesting. It's it's kind of on the same to me. It's sort of on the same wavelength as Black Panther, because they are sort of saying talking about colonialism, mm -hmm. and only only Black Panther is more about like isolationism and how that's like you've kind of let your fear kind of like make you become something you don't really want to become, and Killmonger is able to exploit that and stuff and. That's why someone some agree with this. But anyway, uh, so, so, so Thor Ragnarok, awesome. Plus, what? plus Ragnarok also has your favorite character in the entire Marvel Universe, right? Thor Grandmaster? Uh, uh, yes, uh, I, I, would, I would say uh, he is uh, definitely my favorite. Yes, uh, again, uh, <laughs> I would say he's my favorite, but I, I do, I mean, I, I love me some, some Goldblum. <laughs> Give me that Goldblum all day. I hope he comes back. I hope Jeff Goldblum is. I want him to make an appearance in, in, in Endgame. I, I need oh Jeff Goldblum to have at least a conversation with Thanos. I would. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Oh, and also like, <laughs> oh, also Tessa Thompson and Thor Ragnarok is mm -hmm. super cool. Oh yeah, probably one of the coolest characters in Marvel. Um, so yeah, Thor Ragnarok is a blast, and I, I love to death. It's just, it's just a great, it's a great time, and um. Then I would say Black Panther. A lot of the same reasons Chuck mentioned, and, and you know, to this day, the <sighs> Killmonger's dying words yeah. are just like, "Whoa! I can't believe they said that!" <laughs> like, that's incredible. Uh, what were they again? There was like, uh, "Bury me with my people." Uh, bury me in the Atlantic. Uh, they say, "Bury me in the Atlantic Ocean, so I can be with my people." Yeah. Yeah. Who would rather who'd rather jump off the ships than live a life of live a life of bondage? Wow. For a villain to say that, like uh, that was powerful. Mm -hmm. Um and I also think, you know, I think that the greatest strength of Black Panther are supporting characters. There's a, such a great supporting cast. Like I it's it like I think my 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 probably my biggest criticism is T'Challa is a little overshadowed <laughs> by like this great supporting cast of like um, you know. Uh, just like like uh, Shuri and uh, the what what are the uh, the Jabari Jabari, um, and then you have uh, was it Okoye and the um, I can't remember what their the warriors are known as, but yeah, yeah, and, and Baku and I don't know. There's just like the world building, like you said, Chuck, is probably the best in all of them. Probably it rivals you know Guardians of the Galaxy in, in that in that respect. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's a great movie to get lost. And I think what I love the most about Black Panther is that it doesn't look like a Marvel movie. Like I think they gave him a lot of free reign. They gave um, um, 
why am I forgetting everybody's name? I'm so fried. Uh, the guy directed Ryan Coogler. They gave Ryan Coogler a lot of free reign to kind of do whatever he wanted visually. And while they, there are some moments where it's like, okay, this feels a little marvelly, like the like the fight and the railway. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, but that's just like a small part. The rest of the movie is like incredible. Um, but the movie sounds and looks and feels very unique compared to the rest the marvel universe even guardians of the galaxy it has um, and it has one of my favorite cinematic moments in all of sorry to interrupt you but sorry. it has one of my favorite favorite cinematic moments in all of the um in all of the marvel movies and that is the arrival at wakanda um, oh yeah because i love i love that i love the i love the song wakanda that piece of music that plays when he's like you know when when, when t'challa says like you know i never get sick of seeing this yeah. you know and it's as they're getting ready to into the holographic mountain and that they're just such a great like you can just feel that feeling of like, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a white man saying this, but I, I, it's like sort of adjacent to this sense of sort of like African pride of just like, yeah, yeah like, you know, this, this represents what we know we could have if it weren't for this, all this horrible stuff that had happened to us. You know, it's just that. Yeah. It's great. Um, and oh gosh, I could go on forever about other movies, but you know, I, I kind of want to, I'll talk on, uh, okay. All right. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, um, is probably my favorite phase one movie. And that is such a, like a great, just sort of old fashioned world war two adventure movie. And Chris Evans has played Captain America so brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of the character that I've latched onto the most throughout these 10 years, because I'm, I'm really fascinated by his character because he hasn't really changed that much you know because i think the whole point of his character is um getting the world around him to change because he's sort of supposed to be the sort of inherently moral person um and that, that i think that's what fascinates me the most about uh, captain america and sort of watching him sort of interact with the world and stuff and how he's affected the lives around him and uh, First Avenger is great. Well, Miss because I, I, I love the First Avenger because of the relationship between him and, and Peggy. And um, I don't think people realize like how much that narrative sort of hinges on that relationship. And Dude. they never they never get together again. Can, can you can you even try to imagine much much less actually remember a world where a movie came out called the first Avenger and we were all like, are we ever actually going to get an Avengers movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, can, you, can you even think back that far and remember what that was like? <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Will we ever actually get to see this Avengers movie? Will it ever actually happen? Yeah. God. Yeah. Just like, remember, I remember being with Matt Brandis I think it was with Matt Brandon. No, it wasn't. I think it back. It was because I, I saw Iron Man by myself, and I can remember sitting there alone because I, I was by myself. So I was in the theater by myself, and I went through the whole post, you know, the whole credits thing. And that moment when Samuel L. Jackson shows up as Nick Fury for the first time, and yeah. says, you know, he talks about the Avengers Initiative. It was like, what? They're really going to do this? <laughs> it seems so quaint back then because I, I didn't really believe it. I was like, yeah, that's that's a nice try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it was being announced, I was like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I was like, oh, I guess they are doing it. Okay. It wasn't until they actually officially announced the Captain America and Thor. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Nice. Which also, can you remember 
remember or even imagine a day when movies used to only have one stinger after the trailers. <laughs> now there's a whole nother movie during those stinking credits. I mean, after the credits, now there's a whole there's a whole movie in there. Now yeah, the film industry anyway. should be thanking Marvel. Now people stay during the credits and actually watch their name get scrolled up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Matt has to uh, uh, depart from our, our discussion. And uh, I, I am not quite 50% though, so we're still doing better than the Marvel Universe. So <laughs> I'm going to disappear, but I will return and I will have seen Endgame. And I will have more to say. So to you, Matt, we see a good journey. Uh, do we want to snap and make Matt disappear? One last time. Okay. Um, so, so what are you looking for? So uh, so long, Matt, who's been snapshot. So what are you looking forward to in the future, Chaka, as far as Marvel is concerned? What are you, uh, what are you anticipating? What I, want to, what I want to see happen, there's two things that I really want to see happen, is I want to see... Um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. I wanted to end with a pan or something at the very end where the now abandoned Avengers Tower has been purchased by someone named Baxter. <laughs> and it becomes the Baxter building. And that's our first wink that the Fantastic Four will be showing up. And Sokovia has been uh, taken over. Uh, by this new community of Romani people, and they've they've changed its name to Latveria. Yeah, yeah. And they're rebuilding. They're rebuilding. See, what I would love to see is I would like to see. So one of the things I think that was a really cool idea that Suicide Squad tried to go for that they did not pull off very well was the idea of using a different hero's villain in their movie. So introducing the Joker, the DCE, the DCEU's Joker in a non-Batman film, I thought was a really intriguing idea. So like, I like that idea of like someone else's villain being in someone else's movie. Right. So I, um, I would love to see like the next black Panther deal with Dr. Doom. Yeah. Like, I think there's some potential there of two isolated countries and having some kind of issue, you know, and they're both, you know, both Doom and T'Challa being, you know, rulers, heads of state. Like, I think that could be a cool there, thing. Uh, there, there is, there is a, um, a series uh, called Doom War. Uh, and it's, it, it is a war between uh, Black Panther and Dr. Doom. And I think it's, I think what happened, I think Dr. Doom invades um, Wakanda and Black Panther and Shuri, who's also a Black Panther, enlists the help of the X-Men to help him out. See, I yeah, without the X-Men piece, I think that could be a really cool... Like, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that movie. Like, I yeah. think that would be a cool way of introducing Doom and not having to, you know... And, I mean, it'd be kind of neat if Doom could sort of end up being the overarching villain of the next, de- the next you know, era of Marvel films for a little while. I, I, I would hyperventilate. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> Because I think he's he, true. I mean, the fact that they have him now is something that they can't. They they got it. They got to move on that. And I think he's because he's without a doubt the best villain in Marvel. Oh yeah. And there's just a lot to do with. There's a lot that can be done with him. I mean, you can even take it so far about you know take it to a place where even you know in the aftermath of all this stuff that's happened, him filling a political vacuum and trying to position himself as some kind of world leader, like you know, like you know, world dictator or something. Like I think there's just there, there's potential with with it. Um, 
you know, and I, and I'm intrigued by the idea of making the fantastic four be actual like scientists from the 1960s who've been lost to time and return, you know, now. And so like, you know, that whole of like display, like kind of playing off the captain America displaced thing. Like I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I would be totally on board with that idea. Um, the other thing that I would love to see is I would love to see silver surfer make an appearance in the guardians of the galaxy films. Oh yeah. Um, I love silver surfer. He's my favorite Marvel character. And I really, really want to see him being used in an effective way because rise of the silver surfer is not a good movie. You didn't, you didn't like a uh, old, old, old rise of the silver surfer. That's not. Didn't you and I see that together? And the first like, fantastic four together. I can't remember if we saw silver surfer together, but I remember, I remember, I just remember watching it. And when Dr. Doom becomes the silver surfer, I remember like I was feeling your pain. <laughs> like, well, from a yeah, distance. because when, when he became the Silver Surfer, when he, when he got the co the powers cosmic in the comics, it was like a huge deal. Like it was like, oh, we're all screwed. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, this one's like, oh, it would be funny if he was the Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah, great. Thanks, yeah. guys. So I'm I'm uh, I'm I would love to see Silver Surfer. Um, so yeah, basically anything tangentially related to the Fantastic Four, like I would love to see into the in in the MCU, but like spread out like i don't know to say like you know a fantastic four film that deals with all of this like as cool as a fantastic four film could be i would like to see them utilize them and and their and the stuff you know sort of adjacent to them um one thing that i don't know that i need to see in the mcu is the are the x-men it's you know if they are planning to integrate the x-men into the mcu it's going to be tough because of how much Marvel has gone through, like the history of, of Marvel already, without the without the X Men with them, right? The only thing that I could think is is that somehow, you know, depending on how Endgame ends, that restoring people from the snap somehow introduces the meta the, the meta the, the meta gene or you know, the, the the mutagenic you know the X gene whatever the X gene um, into the populace. Um, but again, right? Like, how do you deal with like a character like Wolverine, who's older than Captain America? Yeah, exactly. Who probably would have rubbed shoulders with Captain America during World War II or something like. Yeah, I mean, unless you do something where you know the, the Canadian government just has that—they're just that clandestine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, you know, I mean, I would love to. I mean, that being said, I would love to see Wolverine and Hulk go at it. Um, but I also don't know who you would get to play Wolverine because it's just Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, man. I just don't know how you and Logan was just such a good close to that character. So again, like I don't know. I mean, I would and I would like to see different X-Men involved in the involved in it if they were to do it. Like I wish Matt were here because I'm totally on board with seeing like Cyclops done well. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, Matt's absolute favorite comic book character of all time is Scott Summers, who was also known as Cyclops in the X-Men comics. Right. Um, yeah, it's that, that, that would be cool to watch. It would also be really cool to see how MCU would do Magneto. Oh, God. And, oh, yeah. yeah he, and he's been perfectly cast twice. Like Ian McCallum playing was like perfect. And then now he's been played by Fassbender, who's also, I think, perfect. Um, so you, <laughs> you had third time casting Magneto. Good luck with that. And even like, like Xavier, like, man. Anyone besides Patrick Stewart playing him is just like, I mean, I know James McAvoy is playing him, and, and he does a pretty good job 
as, as like a young Xavier, but like Patrick Stewart was like, I, you'll never get. It's like to me, that's like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not yeah. never, it'll, it'll never. It'll never be the same for a generation of people who grew up with the X Men movies. Right, right. I um yeah, and and so like I don't, I'm I'm kind of you know. I, on one hand, like let the X-Men sit for a while. Don't do anything with them, but you're also le- sort of leaving money on the table. Yeah. And, and also like, as you advance the story in Marvel, it's like, it's going to get harder to introduce them. <laughs> right. Right. That's why I think like, if they were to start trying to introduce them in game, present some kind of a, some kind of an opportunity, because if time travel is being involved in the storyline, you can tweak things, returning people from death, you know, can, you know, you can, you can allow things can happen. Right. Um, but but yeah, it's it is it, it would be a tough thing. And plus, like even within the comics, the X Men feel kind of weird because, like, you know, with Marvel's shared universe, like I don't understand the whole prejudice against mutants. But everybody is like cool with Spider Man and Captain America and other superheroes. Like they don't have the prejudice against them the same way they do the mutants, and that just has yeah. never really made sense to me in the comics in the world presented in the comics. That's true. <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've I've thought about that as well. I mean, I'm I know like Spider Man, the media is always trying to turn the public against him, but but the rest of but like the rest of heroes, like why are they okay with Captain America and and not Wolverine? Like, right, right. Like there are a few X Men characters I would love to see in the MCU, but I don't know that I need to see the whole mutant thing. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder, like, if they do bring, if they do introduce X Men, are they going to bring in the whole like civil rights aspect, the civil rights metaphor? Like, are they are they going to completely abandon it? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like it, it, it would feel like retreading because we were all we're already kind of exhaustively going ex- exhaustingly going through this whole idea of like, is it okay to have this much power? What about having oversight over these people? And it's like, like I said, like the more you advance. Right. This huge story, the harder it's going to be to introduce the X Men who've already gone through all this entire story. Right. Well, and I also think that aside from the the stuff you get with like some of the big villains like Magneto and others, I do think that X Men works better on a smaller scale, like a television show or something. Oh yeah. Um and you know, so if there's a way to integrate that, you know, make it much more smaller stakes, you know, kind of show. Like, I mean, I think there's a way to deal with it. Um, but, um, but yeah, but anyway, that, yeah, that's, what about you? Is there anything you would like to see? You know, I just really liked, um, it's what, what I, what I really want to see doesn't really have much to do with like what's been acquired through the big end of the world merger. Um, even though I would, I, I would totally fanboy out over Fantastic Four and, and Doctor Doom and stuff, and I think it's kind of a given that I, I'd, I'd never want to see that happen. Um, but you know, I, I really, and I know I'm, I'm not masking a lot by doing this, but like I kind of wish Marvel would start second guessing their entire system of how they do things, because they've sort of proved when you get like a great and talented director like James Gunn or um, Ryan Coogler and give them more freedom than you're used to giving your filmmakers. You come out with like these brilliant, like, you know, game-changing stories and films. Even Taika Waititi, you know? 
I want to see them take more. I, I want to see them take more risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see them. Something was brought up in a, in a YouTube series I watch. Um, there's this video essayist called Patrick Patrick H, Patrick Willems, and uh, he did this really great series on the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And um, he's a big fan of the movies, but he likes to talk about like you know where the quality sort of stops. And one thing he kind of brought up in terms of Marvel and how it sort of changed superhero movies from like how it was before Marvel was that like there used to be a time when if you offered a superhero movie to a director, that director took that hero to say what they wanted to say. Like we got the dark Knight, not because Christopher Nolan was like, I really want to make a movie that's close to this comic book. I really want to please the fans this way. Christopher Nolan made the dark Knight because he was fitting Batman to like what he wanted to say and the kind of movie he wanted to see. And I think we're getting that with like, that's, I think, I think it's what we're getting with this Joker movie. Like with Todd Phillips Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something where he's like trying to stay close to some kind of source material or trying to like please fans. He, I think he has a kind of movie in his head that he wants to see and is using the Joker to make that movie. That's what I would like to see more in Marvel. See, I don't know. I, a part of me wants to see my, my counter argument to that is then are you at that point actually making a Batman movie or a Joker movie? I mean, yeah, yeah I, I think so. Like, I mean, why, why, why wouldn't it be like, why? Well, because like, I mean, because I think because it, I mean, well, let just counterpoint is that Zack Snyder did exactly that with Man of Steel. Okay. And people have reacted very negatively to that and saying that, you know, that's not a Superman movie because nothing about that character is Superman. But this is the character that this is the version. This is a sort of Superman that Zack Snyder, like this is a story he wanted to tell Mm -hmm. with a superpower, you know, Superman. He basically wanted to say if, you know, I understand Man of Steel to be the kind of movie of, you know, looking at here's the world that we live in today. If this alien crash landed into our world, this is how we would respond to him. And I think that, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman are trying to tell that story, and a lot of us have. Rea- I mean, now, granted, Batman vs Superman has other technical problems with it in terms of like editing and things that I think render it less than a good movie. Yeah. But I do think that there are some valid statements to be made about Man of Steel. You know, and I mean, again, I like Man of Steel, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm just kind of I, operating yeah, as a I, counter argument to your statement, right. and. I'll also say that I'm kind of at a, I've entered a phase in my life, JP, where I think I think the Dark Knight might be a bit overrated. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, let me put it this way: I think it's a good movie. I still think the Dark Knight is a really good movie. Well, I'm, but I'm people, much. But when people sit there and act like it's like the best superhero film ever made, I'm like kind of thinking I don't know that it counts as superhero film. Okay, well then let me give you another one. Let me give you another example: <clears throat> uh, Spider-Man Two. Yeah, a movie Spider-Man I think is overrated, but go ahead. No, oh, come on. I do. I think it's overrated. I've long thought it was overrated. This isn't like my hot take. Like I, 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 I've never understood the universal love that movie has got. Well, I don't want to get into it now, but <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm getting exhausted with my own, my own voice. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I feel like 
I just, you know, I think you're you're right. There, there was a big backlash. We were like, oh, this isn't Superman. This isn't one of the guys. Um, I don't know if if time will tell if people were wrong or not. I think you're right about Batman vs Superman. I think that movie had more technical issues, and the reason why it didn't really work is maybe I know, in my opinion, it didn't really work narratively, um, or and a lot of different reasons why I don't like that movie. Not just because it wasn't true to source material. Um, Man of Steel. I've always kind of gone back and forth on. Um, but the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that like, is that I just want to see, I just want to see more of a risk in terms of Marvel. Um, mostly because I kind of feel like that's what's being done in comics, right? Like that, that's how we got something like, uh, you know, the, 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 the Batman, um, what's the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, what I hear you, what I hear you saying is that you're talking about how, like, in the comics, you can watch, you can read these these runs of storylines that are being done, and the character is true to is true to a certain ethos. Yeah, but each iteration has its own stamp from yeah. the author, like like John Byrne Superman in the '80s is like definitive Superman and it is very much John Byrne. And like his version of Superman is very different than say like Brian Michael Bendis's version of Superman that's going on right now. And they both, both these stories to me feel true to the character of Superman, but they are distinctly the visions of their respective writers and artists. Yeah. Is that the kind of thing you're saying? That, that is, that is one thing I like to say. That's why I bring up Spider-Man too. Yeah. Because, I, because they, they gave Sam Raimi all of the control. To mm-hmm. do whatever he wanted to tell whatever story he wanted to, and he did stay true to like a silver agey kind mm-hmm. of Spider Man, but it's also still undeniably Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I, I, I want to see like a someone try to make like a kingdom come or something, or right. like, um, like a Superman Red Sun, or um, I don't know, just things like that. I mean, even like. Spider-Man, even Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse kind of toyed with that of, of like just sort of experimenting mm-hmm. with, you know, what can we do? What can we, what else can we say with these characters and what kind of, what kind of art can we make? I want to take a more artistic approach instead of a more marketable approach. Right. Well, and, and like, like a, maybe another good example could be to put it on like a smaller scale is like if you were to make a movie about say just spitballing here rogue and gambit yeah um you make that a romance and not you know two superheroes fighting or doing things you make a movie that's maybe even don't even show them using their powers in any major yeah. extravagant or, 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 ways I mean, oh my gosh I, 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 we did we are we, we already did this with logan right yeah right yeah good point yeah so i mean maybe logan is what i should have been using as an example of this all this time yeah, well, you're because um, you, what you're talking about is 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 that kind of what we we touched on earlier, which is using superheroes to tell different genre stories. Yeah, you know, like different they, genres, you know, even just different like uh, different types of stories. Yeah, like New Mutants. You know, there's that New Mutants movie that I don't know if it's ever going to be released, but that that was that basically a horror film yeah. set with X Men characters. Which, dude, you want to talk about? You want to talk about a movie like? You know, you could use, you know, like, or talk about DC, like Swamp Thing or other characters. You want to talk about, like, you know, you could use body horror, 
you know, that could be a, I mean, you could make a really interesting movie that's set within these universes that is in a very different place thematically, genre-wise, that, you know, like you could do a, I mean, imagine like a Wolverine movie that's about him discovering these powers, these claws, this healing. I mean, that's a, that's a body horror film. Yeah. You could focus on that What you know, the, what, 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 how scary it is to have these kinds of things. And then somewhere down the road, that character could still show up in a big team out team up movie because you don't need to show, it doesn't have to. Yeah. So you're, I see what you're saying. And I'm, 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 I'm on board with you with this yeah. idea. I just, I want to see more. I, I want, I want it to feel like we're, we're making films again. And mm-hmm. I feel, and I, and I realize how snobby that sounds. Right. But I don't know. Like when I when I see this Joker movie coming out, I, I'm kind of excited now. Like when I heard about, it, I'm like, this sounds awful. I don't. I can't believe they're doing this. Like, just just imagine the fan base, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, especially Todd Phillips, who's not like a great filmmaker, but you know that the trailer came out and I see Joaquin Phoenix of all people in the Joker makeup, who's like Joaquin Phoenix, like one of my is like probably my favorite actor right now. Um, and it's. Like wow, like this is like this. This is I think what I what I really want to see now. Things more like Logan. Things more like um, I don't know, like this. But this Joker movie, and I, I don't I don't know if it's going to be good because, like I said, Todd Phillips not a great filmmaker. But uh, I think it's an interesting direction, and it's something I'd like to see more of. And I'd, I'd love to see what Marvel would do with it. Right. Well, and and like um, you know, like like they're talking about Matt Reeves's Batman movie being like a straight up detective film. Okay, well, that's a great place uh, for us to end. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, so uh, Chuck, thank you so much uh, for everything. You're welcome. You're welcome. I uh, we we're we're gonna you know go see Endgame, and then I know that um, we have coming up a very special time oh, gosh, in okay. the life in the life of our podcast, <laughs> an annual tradition. Yeah, oh, Music Mayhem is here. What is going to be is- our first album? Well, I have to tell you, this has been a very difficult decision. I have spent literally the entire year trying to figure out what album I was going to pick for this. And I have gone through so many, uh, so many feelings and emotions. There was a part of me wanted to do an album uh, that was, you know, it made in 1999 because we're at the 20th anniversary and seeing something cool that does that. And just, anyway, I could go through this whole story and whole complication of what I'm going to do. But what I'm going to do is something we finally, it's amazing that we have not done this. Um, and it is... Um, I, I, our album for Music Mayhem is going to be, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hello Nasty, Beastie Boys. Yeah. Nice. Is that the one with... Uh... Intergalactic, Remote Control, oh. Electrify. Oh boy. Oh man. So, you have your album, folks. Go out and listen to it and come back next week where we'll either talk about Beastie Boys or Avengers Endgame. I don't know which one. <laughs> uh, still gonna be a wild episode maybe we'll do both <laughs> uh so great awesome thank you so much father chuck you're welcome i'm everyone, excited everyone go listen to hello nasty by the beastie boys everyone have a wonderful week join us again next time good journey good journey